Welcome to this week's Energy Show. On this week's show, we're talking about the all-electric future. Now, we've had some customers at Cinnamon Energy Systems come to us saying, hey, we want to go 100% electric in our house. We want to get rid of our gas dryer. We want to get rid of our gas furnace. We want to put in more solar panels. We want to use an electric heat pump. They already drive an EV. This kind of transition's happening. So what does it mean when our homes our businesses, our transportation system, and most industries operate primarily from electricity instead of the fossil fuels that have basically been powering humanity since we discovered fire. Now, there's a steady trend of devices and appliances that are converting to electric operation. These things used to be fossil fuel powered. Just about 50 years ago, everything, all of our heating, all of our transportation, all of our industrial processes were basically fueled with fossil fuels. All of the big energy users, when you kind of look at the economy, transportation, industry, residential and commercial electricity, even electricity, it's all generated by fossil fuels. Now, everything's going electric. Now, I expect that this electric future for, for humanity will depend very heavily on solar and wind in the near term, because we know those technologies work, they're cost effective. There may be other things like nuclear fusion or some other energy generating technology that might happen in 10, 20, 30, 50 years. But right now, my bet is on solar and wind. We can still generate electricity, and we still will, because we're going to, you know, for the next 40, 50 years, for emergencies or for, you know, some kind of strange baseload or backup from coal and natural gas on oil, but these technologies aren't as clean, and they're completely getting surplanted in the marketplace because solar and wind are so inexpensive. So this reason of economics is driving the steady march towards electric power systems and electrical generation. And it happens when we consider the lifetime cost of these power sources, not just looking at the upfront cost, but the lifetime cost. The upfront cost of a solar power system is more expensive than most natural gas and coal plants, but it runs for free for many, many years, 25 years with negligible maintenance and no fuel costs because the fuel costs are coming from the sun. So that's why these these technologies, solar and wind, are so cost-effective. And obviously, also, we have the environmental benefits of, of clean electrical generation. Now, in the old days, kind of just look, looking back, we started off as far as our power sources were wood, then they were coal, then discovered oil 150 years ago, then nuclear came into effect about 80 years ago, natural gas uh, recently over the past 20 years has been the primary source of energy, whether it's uh, for electricity, heating our homes, etc. We're probably, natural gas, we're probably at the end of the line with fossil fuels. We're really not going to kind of go beyond that. And it's very interesting when you kind of take a look at the primary energy consumption by source and sector in the U.S. And I'm looking at at some numbers from 2015, and obviously 2018, these things have changed a little bit, but not tremendously. Most of the energy in the country, 36%, was from petroleum, so that's oil, oil, gasoline. 28% of the total energy in the U.S. was from natural gas. Coal was 16%, renewable energy was 10%, and nuclear power was about uh, 9%. Now, 2018, I guarantee if we had the more updated numbers, petroleum would be lower, natural gas would be lower, coal would be much lower, and renewable energy has really picked up. It's some incredible number, like almost 100% of the new electrical generation capacity going in in the U.S., is wind and solar. 
We're not putting in any new coal or oil plants. Um, and there are some natural gas plants going in, but you know what's really interesting is even these natural gas peaker plants, which were which are designed to kind of pick up power when there's a shortage of wind and solar, even those plants are being supplanted with solar and storage. Now, you kind of look at where the end use energy is going. 28% is going towards transportation. That's cars and trucks. Um, 22% is going into fueling industry, industrial processes. 11% is going into residential and commercial energy use, and it's almost all electricity. 11% is going into residential and commercial energy use, and these are basically fossil fuels. And when we're looking at electricity used in the residential and commercial sectors, that's about 39%. So it's interesting. There's a transition happening where when we look at where the energy is going into in residential and commercial, less fossil fuels and more electricity. So that's that's a big transition. And, you know, as I mentioned, there's probably in the future other power sources we don't know about. It's not going to be nuclear fission, you know, the old reactors. Those just aren't pe penciling out. There's still a lot of research going on with nuclear fusion. There may be fuel transport device technologies like hydrogen. Hydrogen is not an energy source. It's, a, it's really a, a delivery device where you can take water, you can separate the, the oxygen and the hydrogen, you can capture the hydrogen, and then that's a really efficient fuel, super, super clean, but very expensive and difficult to transport. So we're not kind of there yet. There's a, there's a whole new set of infrastructure that we need. But, you know, without a doubt, Solar, wind, and these future technologies are really going to take over. Now, one of the reasons why electricity is such a superior way to deliver power is that it's efficient to transmit and it's efficient to store. We're now storing electricity in batteries. And boy, the battery storage industry has just taken off. Lithium ion right now is the big one, but flow batteries are kind of coming on strong. And it's also getting easier to trade electricity. You know, I'm not talking about crooks like at Enron, where they were actually trading natural gas and electricity and cheating. But with some of these new blockchain technologies, and I'll be candid, I don't completely understand how blockchain works, but it does allow you to keep track of how you're trading a commodity like kilowatt hours. That's going to take off. And so you, you can't do that with oil or gas or, or other fuels, but with electricity, it's a fungible commodity. So you could be generating electricity in one place and using it in one place, and you can actually get electricity from another source, and it doesn't really matter as long as you kind of keep track of the numbers. So blockchain is going to allow us to do that. Now, when we kind of see what's going to change in the future, and I'm kind of looking at this chart again as far as where the sectors are using energy. Obviously, we're going to be using fewer fossil fuels for transportation because electricity is kind of taking that, that sector over. Now, kind of looking way back, we've been using electric locomotives for a long time, but long-haul locomotives have been historically coal and then diesel. But you look at the new railroads and, and the, the rail transportation systems, they're all electric. And you go overseas, you go to, to Europe or Asia, and all the, all the trains are running on electric. So that's happening. But we're also looking at running... Uh, vehicles, cars, buses, even light trucks on electricity. So transportation is going to change, and we'll talk about more about that in a minute. But we're also using more and more electricity in homes and businesses. So, I mean, I just look at look at the houses that we're building right now. New houses have heat pumps. They don't have a gas furnace. They have heat pump hot water heaters. They've got you know, more and more electricity being used. And 
just, you know, I, I can see a future where we're not even plumbing natural gas into houses. Sorry. So now let's look at some of these, these specific applications. Cars, we all know about that. There's a transition, and it's gradual, of, of gasoline cars to EVs. And, you know, I don't know, maybe the, the penetration level of EVs is only a few percent right now. But that's going to change. Looking at trucks... Now, there's some, Tesla has shown some really, really cool long-haul trucks. I mean, that might not be the best application for, for electric vehicles and trucks because the batteries are so big. But for short-haul trucks, delivery vehicles, you know, heck, the, the U.S. Post Office, those things should have batteries in them. I kind of every time the, the mailman drops a mail off at the house or at the office, he stops his truck every 50 feet, turns the engine off, and you know, drops off five pieces of mail and a bunch of junk mail, turns the engine on and goes 50 feet more. I mean, that's just ideal for electric and terrible for gas. But short-haul trucks and delivery trucks, definitely. Buses. Buses that are going in are now electric. It's really a perfect application. The bus can go back to the depot in the evening, charge up. they got enough of power for, for the whole day. And they regenerate their braking every time they stop. It works great. And we talked about trains. Oh, I've, seen, I've seen some uh, designs and, and potential for even planes being electric. All right. Bicycles, skateboards, scooters, they're all electric now. It's amazing. All right. Now, what about HVAC? Previously, all of our heating was from fossil fuels. We use electricity for air conditioning, but now with heat pumps, which are basically heat pumps in reverse, people are, if you're building a new house, think about putting a heat pump in. Don't even think about a natural gas furnace. And we have some, some solar customers that are just basically saying to us, hey, we're getting rid of our gas furnace, we're getting rid of our electric uh, gas stove, and we're putting in all, all uh, electric. So if you're designing a new house, think about all electric, especially if you can put solar on the roof. Water heating. We did a recent show on heat pump hot water heaters. I'm not going to kind of go into that again, but that's the most efficient way of heating water, especially if your electric rates are low and especially if you have solar on the roof. Heat pumps basically are 220% efficient. I mean, it sounds crazy to have something with over 100% efficiency, but what happens is the heat pump pulls heat out of the ambient air and then uses that ambient air heat to heat the water plus some electricity, thereby cooling the surrounding air, which is kind of good in the summer. So that's really good. And then finally, I didn't even get into this, but more and more electric storage systems in cars, obviously batteries. Homes are putting in uh, battery backup systems. Businesses have battery systems to cut back on demand charges. And utilities are putting that in. So that's the future. That's the trend. All right, we're talking about the all-electric future that I see is coming. And we're working under two operating assumptions. The first assumption is electricity is going to get cheaper and cheaper. And the second assumption is fossil fuels are going to get more and more expensive. Now, you can't look at this on a short-term basis. You really have to look at this on a consumer basis, on, on what your business or your home is paying. And the reason why electricity is getting cheaper is because you've got solar and wind that are really inexpensive to generate the power. Now, obviously, if you look at your utility bill, they somehow still seem to be able to raise the electric rates. Public utilities commissions are allowing them to do that. But I can tell you, if you, if you price out your own solar power system, or you're going to find that it's way cheaper than the utility. And then fossil fuels kind of bounce up and down. It's based on supply and demand. But when you consider some of the environmental effects, it's clearly becoming more and more expensive. Now, when we look at electricity, there's also going to be more of a demand for electricity. And, and this should be good for utilities. And we're talking about an all-electric future. Where's that electricity coming from? Well, most of it's coming from utilities. So that should be good. So what happens to utilities when electricity costs get really low? And that's kind of what's happening or that they're fighting against it. But what happens? Now, not surprisingly, 
utilities are not motivated to reduce your electricity costs. Why? Because electricity is their product. The more units they sell and the higher the price, the higher their profits. So it's great that there's going to be more demand for electricity. I mean, heck, you know, I, I kind of look at my local utility and they, with an EV, they basically are taking over what my, my corner gas station used to do. There's more demand. What happens to utilities when electricity costs get really, really low? Well, not surprisingly, utilities are not motivated to reduce your electricity costs. Electricity is their product. So the more units they sell and the higher the price, the higher their profits. Utilities have a long-term problem. When electricity gets really cheap and customers can generate their own, they're reducing the demand. Bad for any business if your customer can buy your product for cheaper or make that product on their own. So that's a dilemma, fundamental dilemma facing the public utility industry. But utilities aren't going to go away anytime soon. We still need central generation for now. And it may not be really centralized. We may be looking at more local or regional generation from some entity that's like the utility. But right now, you know, that's that's kind of what we depend on. We also still need long-distance transmission lines because we have solar farms and wind farms that are far away, hundreds of miles away, that, that are generating lots and lots of power. And that has to be transmitted to a local distribution system. So we still need that. And we still need the local distribution system, those power lines that are in your business, in your home neighborhood. But the, the thing is that the demand... For electricity is going to be even higher and higher from HVAC and various industrial processes. So there's no easy solutions to the economic problems, to the business model problems that utilities have. Now, other industries, when they're faced with this producing an obsolete product, not that electricity is obsolete, but the customers have another source for it. In other industries, when this kind of thing happens, when your customer can get your product from somewhere else, they go out of business. But utilities are generally a government-supported monopoly. The government, our state, our country, doesn't want them to go out of business. Obviously, investors don't want them to go out of business, but the government doesn't want them to. And so they're able to lobby and kind of keep going even though their product that they're primarily selling is more and more obsolete. And I'm not saying that we don't need the local distribution system. We're going to need that for, you know, for, for the near-term foreseeable future for 10 or 20 or 50 years. But the fact that customers can make that product on their own, that electricity on their own, really, really changes and jeopardizes that business model that utilities have been depending on forever. And, and it makes it a really hard planning problem for the public utilities commissions because they're they're trying to make sure that there's no bankruptcies among utilities but they're also you know, tasked with the goal of delivering electricity for the most cost-effective way for the customers. And unfortunately, the utilities aren't really the only ones that are doing it anymore. So that's kind of outside of what we can really change. There's not much we can do as homeowners or as business owners to kind of change that that dynamic among uh, monopoly utilities and public utilities commissions. But as businesses and homeowners, we have a lot of decisions that we can make on our own, and that's kind of the topic of today's show. You know, how do we deal with more and more electricity becoming more and more cost-effective? All right, so let's look at economic decisions that businesses can make. And fundamentally, you can install your own solar array, whether it's a small business where you're putting, uh, you know, 50 kilowatts on the roof, you know, maybe a few hundred solar panels to, to power your business, or large retailers. I mean, it's amazing when you look at what, what the large chain retailers like Walmart, Target, Costco are doing. They're covering their rooftops with solar because they kind of, on a corporate level, have decided this is the most cost-effective way to do it. It's not just one location. It's thousands of locations. 
Another good example, this one's really amazing, casinos in the Las Vegas desert. I mean, really, the biggest natural resource that the deserts have, besides sand, from which you can make solar panels, theoretically, because it's silicon. But the biggest resource, they got a lot of sun. They need a lot of electricity, because in order to live in that desert, you need a ton of air conditioning. So the casinos in Las Vegas and elsewhere are putting in enormous rooftop arrays. I mean, these casinos have, have acres and acres of, of buildings with flat roofs. They're just putting solar on top. Or they're buying entire solar farms in the desert, you know, 20 miles out of town. And, and what they're doing is they're saying, we're generating so much power, we no longer need the local grid. Here's a really big example happened last year. Mirage Resorts paid $87 million to Nevada Power to exit from their obligations with Nevada Power. This is called an exit fee. And that's $87 million. They just wrote a check because they realized over the, you know, the, the 25 year term that of from which they're going to be getting power from their solar farms and from the rooftop arrays, way, way cheaper. So maybe the first year they didn't come out ahead, but in a few years they're they're going to do much, much better. And the utilities hate when big customers leave. They kind of don't let the small customers leave, but these big customers have the financial wherewithal to say, hey, I'm going to write a check and get out of this. Tech companies like Apple, Google, Microsoft, they're now essentially 100% solar powered. Server farms that use an enormous amount of power in the country for all of our devices and toys, those are all solar powered. All right. Now, that's what businesses can do. They can make those economic decisions. But what about building buildings? Now, think of, this is what my advice is for you. If you're looking at a building, put in split, seas, split system heat pumps on an HVAC basis. You no longer need a central natural gas furnace or you know one big centralized air conditioning system. Put in split system heat pumps that may power one or two rooms at a time. This is a standard in most of the world. You only need to heat certain rooms in certain zones. So on the weekends, or you know, if there's there's operations happening at different times, you just have the heat running in those particular rooms. Turn the thermostat on. Five minutes, it's warm enough. Hot water. So think about a heat pump, hot water heater, whether it's for a business or for a home. When your hot water heater leaks, time to replace a new one. Spend a little bit more money. Put in a, a heat pump, hot water heater. The electrical services for your building, whether it's for business, make sure you have an extra big electrical service. Why? Because you're going to be using more electricity. You're going to be powering your electric vehicles, charging those up. And as, as you put in more of these heat pump devices, you're going to need more power, but you're going to be saving money. For a home, your absolute minimum electrical service should be about 200 amps, not 400. Plan for storage batteries in your building. Keep some space available for that. Plan for EV chargers. And obviously, for solar, make sure you've got unobstructed south-facing areas on your roof with no shade. When you design your roof right, you can increase your efficiency for solar by 20% or more. All right. Transportation, shorter-term decisions. You know, people buy new cars every 5 to 10 years. You know, every time you kind of look at it and say, all right, time for a new car. Is the electricity cheap? Do I have solar? Is our gas prices really high? Is it is my commute short enough to run with an electric vehicle with maybe only a hundred mile range? Then it might make a lot of sense. Now, for long term business planning, keep in mind that the infrastructure we're using is going to evolve. There's going to be more energy storage, more solar more long-distance transmission systems. I can expect customers to do energy trading. And and, this is really going to change pretty dramatically. So in conclusion, why are we seeing this migration to an all-electric future? Simply because electricity is becoming cheaper, it's more convenient, it's cleaner, and it's safer. So 
key points. Don't get stuck in the past if there's a better economic alternative for you. So you look at what your circumstances are when it's time to upgrade your heating system or a new vehicle, you're building a new building, look at it very carefully because these options aren't standard. Your architect may just say, hey, I'm just putting in, you know, this is the way we do roofs and this is the, the natural gas heating system we're putting in. We'll just push back a little bit and say, hey, wait a minute, what about some newer technologies? Because they make sense now. EVs are really good for some people consider that. And obviously we talked about heat pumps for heating, for hot water systems, solar for your roof. And now the new thing is battery storage for backup power, for lower electrical costs, and for businesses to shave those demand costs. All right. That's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcast.